All right, let's get into it. Uh, first question is, in a relationship headed toward marriage, I know how wonderful marriage is supposed to be, but the hard parts terrify me. How do I prepare? Betsy, why don't you take this one? Well, first and First of all, when um, I'm thinking about that question, things that terrify us are probably going to be very different from person to person. Um, so for some people, that might be sex. That might be um, past relationships. It could be you know, a whole number of things. But um, I think my overarching answer is, um, one, uh, be, to be preparing yourself um, in your relationship with Jesus, um, pursuing your own sanctification, and um, just really uh, pursuing holiness and um, being in the word and surrounding yourself with um, people who are going to be encouraging and supporting that growth personally. Um, secondly, I would say get a mentor um, or find somebody who's doing it right, like somebody that you look, <clears throat> excuse me, look at and you see like those people have a marriage that I would like to model a marriage after. Um, obviously, there are no perfect marriages, but looking um, for someone who, you know, who who seems like they are loving each other well, serving well, um, people that um, handle conflict well. And uh, I, think, I think that that goes both ways. I mean, there aren't that many people in here who have been married longer than we have. Maybe Marty and Mary, that's probably it. <laughs> true. Um, but I think that that even applies to people who have been married for a long time. Um, a couple years ago, we were going through a season at parenting teenagers that was really challenging where we were having a lot of conflict and... Um, we were kind of like just in that conflict cycle day after day after day after day for like a year. And in that season, we pursued finding a couple that was older than us. So it had raised three, you know, boys to adulthood. And we were like, seems like you guys did this pretty successfully. Like, help us. Tell us what we're, you know, tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us what we need to work on. Um, and it was interesting because we expected to get a lot of um, correction and really more than what we got from them was um, someone to point out what we were doing right, which was really, really encouraging and helpful. Um, because I think sometimes we can get so focused on what is hard or what is broken that we can fail to see um, what's actually good and positive and right in our relationships. Um, see. Yeah, so I think that's, that covers it. I, um, I, in Titus and Timothy, um, I think there's definitely um, a good prescription for um, mentorship. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a really, really important, vital part is um, to to go find people who have had experience and to ask questions and communicate. I would say the parts that there there's just not a question that should be off the table as you're preparing for marriage, um, as you're dating, as you're engaged, as you're pursuing. Um, marriage, there should just not be any questions that are off the table, like talk about everything and know that anything that's challenging or difficult is only going to get harder once you get married. Um, don't expect that marriage is going to fix or change or make things easier because it doesn't. Um, marriage is great and amazing and wonderful, um, but it's hard. It's really, really hard. And so I think um, having really open and honest communication and supportive um, people who've gone ahead of you in that in that path is really important. That was awesome. I feel, I feel so prepared for marriage. Now. Thank you for that. Um, no, that really was. It was great. I mean, I think the biggest thing you said, Betsy, is mentorship. I mean, the beauty of, um, the beauty of not me, but this panel, you guys, is that we have different stages of life, right? We have Marty and Mary who have 
done the parenting thing, and now they have grandkids. We have you guys who have teenagers and are going through what that looks like in your marriage, and you have us who have little kids, and so um, that's really representative of our entire church. Uh, we have a ton of singles and college students who aren't close to marriage. We have some that are close to marriage and pursuing that. We have some married couples who've been doing this thing for a long time. We have some that, that just got married and um, are super young but are, are going at it the right way and, and trying to pursue Jesus in it. And uh, my hope for our church is that we would see that kind of mentorship take place. Um, I do think if, if you don't understand what it looks like to do marriage and that terrifies you or to have kids and that terrifies you, whatever the case may be, getting somebody who is doing it right and having that conversation is invaluable. It's priceless. Um, Jay and I have had that in our relationship. Even now we try to pursue that and Man, you can't walk through this alone. You can't prepare for marriage alone. You definitely need to do premarital counseling. But even before that, you need to pursue a woman, pursue a man to have that conversation. So a lot of you guys that are single and college students, and you're waiting for the stars to align, and that guy who loves football just as much as you love football and grew up in the same town that you grew up in and has the same affinity that you have, and you're waiting for that guy to come to you on a Sunday and say, hey, will you meet with me for coffee for six weeks and let me mentor you? That's probably not going to happen, uh, unless Marty does it, because he's awesome. But other than that, it's probably not going to happen. And so single guys and girls, you need to go out of your way to pursue someone else. Like on, at church on Sunday, before you leave today, grab one of these men and women, not just these, but like Tony and some of our older couples, Scott and Shannon, who have been doing this for a little while, and say, hey, dude, can I take you out to coffee? Can I, can I buy you lunch and just talk about what marriage would look like? I have no idea. I don't think they'll say no. I think they'll say yes. Um, they're here at a marriage seminar. They're here at a young church because they, they want to invest in you, but they may not ask you. You need to ask them. And so pursue that. The beauty of our church could be that we're, um, that we're what's the word? Um, yeah, multi-generational. Multi-generational where uh, we don't all look the same. We're not all in the same stage of life, but we can invest and mentor one another. So that's a great, great answer, Betsy. Uh, second question is, how do I distinguish my feelings from the guidance of the Holy Spirit when it comes to who to date and who to marry? How do I distinguish my feelings from the guidance of the Holy Spirit? Uh, Marty, why don't you take this one? Wow. I need the microphone. You know, that's a, it, it's a great question, and one that, that I've heard uh, a number of times. Mary's probably heard it more than I have because it tends to be a question that ladies ask more often than men because men are like, this is great, you know, it, it's all good. She meets every one of those little boxes. So um, emotions, um, uh, you know, the guidance of the Holy Spirit versus being driven by really what would be defined as our emotions, it's a, it's a slippery and dangerous, dangerous place. Because you know what? We are created as emotional beings, right? We really are. Um, I would hate to look out here and see a bunch of people who have zero emotions. Jesus was emotional. Jesus wept over the death of a friend. But putting emotions uh, at the head of the train rather than at the caboose is a dangerous place to go. Because as you are married, as you're in relationship for a long period of time, it's not always this emotional high. 
it's not always this, I am like Gaga drooling in love with, with Mary. I, I love her, but it's this kind of place where you, you, you just get into sort of a, a rhythm, maybe. And you have to be careful there, too. Um, I, as I was, as I think about this, I, I'd probably take this, especially as you're talking about going into uh, relationship and, and how do you distinguish. Um, I, because we're talking about the Holy Spirit's leading. I think Galatians 5.22 is a perfect place to go and use as a filter. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I would say in relationship, you want to be taking a look at that person rather than getting emotionally, deeply embedded. I'd use this. I'd say, hmm, okay, I feel like I, you know, this is the person. This is the deal. I'm just, you know, this is crazy stuff. I'd be looking at this and going, yeah, and, and are they displaying that fruit of the Spirit on a consistent basis? Not perfectly, because we, we, we're never going to do it perfectly. Is that person that I'm dating, that person that's pursuing, that, that person that I think I might be marrying out of this emotional place, first off, that's going to change, but really... Are they filled with that? Are they exhibiting that towards, towards me? Maybe more importantly, are they exhibiting it towards others? So I guess that, that's kind of the, how, how I'd run that out if I, if I was trying to figure it out. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of, a lot of wisdom, too, that comes in play in that. Um, if, if a guy, I'm going to put you on the spot just to um, go a little further. If a guy just came up to you today and just said, hey, what is... Do I, do I go out on the prowl, like looking for a girl? Or, um, you know, and pursue and, and hunt for that spouse? Or do, should I just, like, pray and, um, and hope and trust God, grow my relationship with him, and he'll just sh- have a spouse show up at my door? What's the ba- Obviously, those are extremes. What's the balance there? Um, yes to both of those. Um, no. I, I mean, I think that... Could God, literally, could you walk out in the lobby here today after this marriage seminar and, and there's this person standing in front of you you've never seen before, God's just dropped him into your life? Sure. But I, th- I think that our faith is requ- it, it requires some activity. It really does. So I think, yes, you need to pray. Yes, you need to seek wise counsel from people. Yes, you need to make your friends and your family, people like that need to know and understand and 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 think this is a good person for you. But I don't think, I'm not exactly sure what on the, you know, you could define on the prowl a little bit better, but I wouldn't <laughs> prowl or stalk you define it necessarily. I, define I, it. I might have done that. I think yeah. Tim did a little of that. It was scary. Um, that, was, that was just, that was both stalking and prowling. I think it's scary. But uh, you, you can be active. You can go out. You can be part of groups of people. Um, you can talk to your friends. So both. Yeah. Do both. That's good. Right. No, so yeah, I think, I think that's right. Yeah, no, it worked. So just FYI. Um, but yeah, I would say, I mean, I was talking to a guy just a little bit earlier today about this. And I think it is a, a conflicting thing, right? Because even if, um, even if it's indirect, a lot of us think like, well, if I pursue someone, um, then that makes me sinful or that must be lustful. And it definitely could be that it could cross over into that. Um, but I think there's a healthy way in which... Um, in which you can pursue, and, and honestly, I think we make it too complicated. I mean, definitely, 
there's some, there's Holy Spirit, there's, there's a feeling there, there's a direction there, but uh, what's been really helpful for me, not just with uh, marriage, but all decisions, is to think through a grid of these three things. The first thing being, is it good? So like with your, uh, with someone to date, is it good would mean, it, does he or she know Jesus? You start there. Uh, does he or she love the Bible? Like, or is it just, are they nominally Christian, kind of show up at church on Sundays? I mean, do they actually study scripture? Maybe they're not experts, theologians, not that, but just do they have a desire to learn and grow? Maybe they're not there yet, but they want that. So is it good? Is it, is it a good thing to pursue? And then secondly, do you have desire? Um, so is that other person somebody that is attractive to you? Uh, not just physically, but do they like some of the same things? Are you drawn to that person when you see them in the room? Like I was with Jaya. Does it, is there just desire there that you just can't deny? And that you wouldn't go home and try to suppress that desire and deny it, but that you would see it and recognize for what it is and talk to other people about it, like Marty said. And then thirdly, and this is really important, and it's where it could get creepy if, if you don't listen to the third one, but uh, do you have the opportunity, right? Uh, you may think it's good. Um, you may match up spiritually, you may have some affinity and some desire that matches up, but if he or she doesn't respond, and many times you've been told by that person directly, or you just kind of get the vibe, or other people tell you, dude, she's not, she's not into you, um, then that, that might not be what God has for you, you might not should force that, um, so those are three easy points, like, is it good, do I have desire, do I have opportunity, God can work through that. And so many times we're waiting for that, for the stars to align. So many times we're waiting for that sign, but God often works through circumstances, and those are some of the ways you can see that as you see, who should I date? Who should I marry? Third question is this, how do I, uh, how do I know when and how far to go physically in a relationship? Jay, I want you to take this one. Um, so when you're dating, you are probably in, you know, committed to each other and even possibly pursuing uh, marriage at some point. Um, but you are just in a committed relationship and you're not in a covenant relationship before the Lord. Um, in Genesis 1, it says when uh, two become one flesh, um, that's when you're having you're being intimate together. And you guys know, like anytime you do anything physical, it's kind of gearing your body up to do something that's honoring to the Lord in a covenant, um, not in just a committed relationship. Um, so what does intimacy look like uh, without just physical contact in dating? Um, I think communication is really important. Um, it's just a really sweet time that you can use to really get to know each other, know where they are with the Lord, know what they're learning, what is God teaching them, um, what are weaknesses they have or shortcomings that both you guys have, um, how can you encourage each other, those are just areas that you can, you can start with. Um, another thing could be uh, pursuing your friendship with them. So just really having fun together, being goofy and getting to see each other um, just in a way that you're able to be comfortable with each other and not always having this kind of feeling of even guilt or how far can we go or just really enjoying just that friendship. Um, another thing would be to walk in wisdom. So are you pursuing the Lord as you're spending time with them? Like before you spend time with, with the person that you're dating, are you walking in the Spirit in a way that you're able to know that your time together is glorifying to the Lord as opposed to um, trying to see how far 
you could be physically intimate as opposed to just growing your relationship in communication and friendship and wisdom. Um, you know, and, and I get it. I've been there. And so it really helps just to see the big picture that dating is for a really short period of time, especially if you're pursuing it for marriage. And then you get to be married, and then you get to walk in this freedom with one another. Um, and so you don't want to taint that freedom with all this shame from before and being able to just be before one another just without any shame. And so purity now will lead to intimacy later. And so you can just walk in that freedom with one another. That's good. Yeah. So in, in that case, um, the, the, the question, part of that was how far is too far? A, a couple of things. One, if you're asking the question, I think you need to do a check of your heart where you are anyway. And secondly, I, somebody told me this once, and, and we used it a lot in, in premarital counseling, because that question comes up <clears throat> all the time, and that answer f became for me, and it's, I don't know, maybe it's weird, but I like it. You know, how, would you be doing that if Jesus was standing in the room? Would you do that? Maybe that's a little legalistic. I'm not sure, but I think <laughs> it's a pretty good, a pretty good filter, and um, Jaya said something I, I just loved, and it, it talks about that friendship piece. Um, I, I heard this, I don't, usually I don't come up with stuff. I say something that someone else said, but I heard it somewhere that said that a, a, a good marriage is a friendship that catches on fire. And that, that's powerful and true. Yeah, I mean, I think um, the big picture aspect that you brought out is, is huge. Like, when you're dating, you kind of think, how could we ever be pure? Like, how could we ever abstain from doing anything physically? And that's why you're asking the question is like, well, how far is too far? Like, how close can we get and God not be disappointed with us? Because this is really difficult. And you kind of see through uh, just a, a really small lens. You see like three feet in front of you instead of 30,000 feet from the top. And really, like Jay has said, if you're pursuing marriage, dating is a really short time in your life. Like, I know that's hard for you to believe if you're, if you're young and single and you are in a dating relationship, but as you, as you grow older, uh, most likely if you get married, you'll be married longer than anything you've ever done in your life. Uh, you'll be married for maybe 40, 50, 60 years. You'll have dated for maybe two years. So dating is a really unique time where instead of asking how far can we go physically, uh, to see it as Jaya described is like, how, how close can we grow together in our friendship? we got the rest of our lives to figure out the physical thing. Um, we have the rest of our lives to figure out sex. Let's, right now, in this really small window, when you pan back, let's focus on friendship. Let's focus on what that looks like. And I love what you said. I can see it on your page. <laughs> Purity now leads to intimacy later. That you'll be grateful for that later on in marriage. Because um, it, it, it's the opposite is true, right? Like, impurity now will lead to difficulty later. Purity now leads to intimacy later. Impurity now will lead to difficulty later. Um, it's, it's just a reality. It doesn't mean Jesus can't forgive it. it doesn't mean Jesus is not bigger. Um, but it's going to make it difficult. So enjoy this season uh, for what it is instead of asking that question. I, mean, I don't think we're going to say as a position. I know Jaya wouldn't say this. We talked about it. Like, um, don't kiss before your marriage or do kiss. And, you know, get, let's get into all, like, which how far is too far, uh, we're not going to tell you that and draw that line for you, uh, but you need to walk in wisdom. You need to have that conversation. What Marty said, um, 
whatever works, you know, like if picturing Jesus in the room, if that helps you stay pure, whatever works. Uh, the Bible talks about fleeing sexual immorality. Uh, maybe you're going, you feel like you're about to go too far with your um, boyfriend or girlfriend, and you need to leave. Like, you just need to run. I'm serious. Like, it's worth it. And explain later. Like, call her on the phone and be like, I, I'm not crazy. I just, I think I'll have to let would... you know that Tim did do that. So, yeah. <laughs> one go. time he did that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Not that we are perfect, but yeah. But and and those times were awkward and it would go bad, but I'm grateful for those moments where we fleed. And so if you need to picture Jesus in the room, if you need to flee, if you need to run away, whatever you need to do, it's worth it. And it's not legalistic. Like when you have a desire that's for Jesus and to keep that other person pure and to keep yourself pure, if that's your motivation and your heart, that's not legalism. <laughs> okay? Legalism is just external without the heart. If you have a good motivation, we talked about this in sanctification, that it's spirit-empowered, grace-motivated obedience. That's not legalism. Like, effort is okay in all areas of life. We need to get away from the legalism. So even, Marty, you didn't say something legalistic. Whatever it takes is a good thing um, to stay pure. That's a great answer, Jaya. Um, fourth question. Do I need to confess past or current and or current sexual sin to my spouse? If so, when do you address this and how much detail? I'm going to take this one, but um, man, I think it really depends. I mean, obviously that's a broad question. It depends on your circumstances. And so I wouldn't say that everyone who's dating needs to talk about how far you've gone physically before. Um, if you're 20 years old and you're in a dating relationship, and this is your fourth date, and you go to a movie and um, go out to eat afterwards, and then you talk about all your past sexual experiences. I don't know that that's the best idea. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that or you can't. Uh, I don't know. I would want to talk to you and see, like, how, where are you in that dating relationship? Um, how long have you guys known each other? Was it a blind date? Uh, were you friends before? Um, what is your past sexual sin? Um, so I would say it depends, and it's, again, why we need to be in community and relationship with one another, because uh, this stuff doesn't just work in a vacuum, and so I would say it depends, and if you're 35, and you're dating, and you know um, you're, you're not engaged, but you're, you're almost there, and you have some stuff that you really feel like you need to get out, um, I think under um, wise and godly direction, first of all, that you would have shared that with someone else first like your pastor, your community leader, a, a godly friend in your life, that you would share that with them first and then say, hey, what do you think? Should I unload this on my girlfriend or boyfriend? How should I do that? When should I do that? And to really seek counsel, because I think it depends. But I think um, if I were to say something universal, I would say in engagement, you, you would want to have that conversation. Um, and what I would say is this, that you would want to share basic but not bare details, um, basic but not bare details. And so that would look like, um, like Jay and I. Um, before we got married, I alluded to that. It, it, it was awkward. It sucked. It, um, it was hard. Uh, but we talked about it. I talked about my relationship with lust. And, and that, was, that was foreign for her. She hadn't grown up, grown up talking about that. She hadn't experienced it personally. And it was hard. But I'm thankful that we... Uh, did that. Uh, it didn't fix everything right then, 
uh, but I'm thankful that I was able to share some of the basic details of my struggle so that that wasn't a shock in our married life, so that when we began to have sex in our marriage, um, she knew that already. That was already on the table. There was no secrets or um, something going to come out of door number four that she didn't know about already. Uh, I was able to be open with her. Now, I didn't go through every sexual experience I'd ever had with a girl. I didn't count those off or talk about the details or specifics in that situation, but I gave her the basic details. I think an engagement at some point, again, hopefully you're in premarital counseling, that you would talk about that and you would have other people intervene in that. Um, Because if you don't talk about it, it will come up later. It's going to create more difficulty later. It's going to create distance in your life later. And so you need to talk about that. Definitely, if you're married and you haven't had that conversation, I would say you need to have it. And again, it doesn't, doesn't mean you pile up on the guilt and the shame and go through all specifics and make each other feel super awkward. It just means you share some of the basic details. Again, we can't go into that now, but you would want to talk to somebody about what those basic details should be so that a few things. One, you can experience the gospel in your relationship. Like the gospel is not just theoretical, it's experiential. You need to experience the gospel. If we say we believe that Jesus died for all our sin, then we need to walk in that. And that applies to our sexuality. And so that other person in your life, they're not your savior. If they've screwed up sexually, that's going to be hard. And maybe it takes counseling and maybe it takes, depending on what it is, a long time for that to be worked out. But Jesus can overcome that. Jesus can bring you together because of the gospel. Like, the gospel actually works, functionally, even in sex. And so, um, you need to, one, trust that. You need to trust that that person's not your savior, that if they confess things to you, that that's okay, that they're imperfect. Um, There's going to be a lot more of that in your marriage. Um, And then you need to to grieve. If you're the person that's receiving that confession, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to be angry. Um... I remember when I was, uh, we were going through our elder assessment, and it was, it's super awkward. There's like three people who don't know you that well who dig into your whole entire life. <laughs> uh, so if you want to become an elder, that's what that looks like. Everybody sign up. Um, and I remember one of the guys, uh, we were talking about this issue, and one of the guys just said, um, you know what, Jaya, it's okay for you to be mad. Like, it's okay for you to be angry. And I'm just like, settle down. It's okay. <laughs> No, uh, it's, it's okay, lighten up, you know. Um, but he, his point was is that it's okay to grieve. It's okay to mourn that. It's okay to talk about that. I mean, you don't, you don't want to hold a grudge. You don't want to hold that over your, your spouse for sure. Um, but it's okay to grieve. And then to trust Jesus in that process. Like to trust that Jesus is good. To trust that Jesus' grace is sufficient not only for the other person, but for you to receive that. And then to help. I can't tell you uh, the help Jaya has been in my life with lust. Now, if I'd never shared these things with her, uh, if I just tried to carry that in a hidden way, honestly, even if I just tried to talk to other guys about that, it's a great thing to do. You need to have that in your life. Um, I don't know that that would be enough. I mean, my wife is able to ask me, like, how's that going? It's, it's awkward. It's, I, don't, I don't love talking about that. Um, but she's able to hold me accountable. The person that I've committed myself to in covenant is, she, she actually knows 
who I am, and she's able to talk about that. So I'm able to say, like, we don't need to go watch that movie. Like, just FYI. Um, we're, we're able to now, we didn't figure out this day one, but we're able to now, we go to bed together. Um, because it's just not a good idea for us to go to bed apart and for one of us to stay up late. Um, so that happens because we talk about it. Our sex life is better because we talk about it. You need to have that conversation at some point. I think you begin to start having that conversation about your past, uh, about your present, in engagement with the help of wise people in your life because it is dicey, and I don't pretend to know every situation in this room. So uh, if you're asking that question, even if you didn't submit it, um, chances are you have some, some serious stuff in your life that doesn't need to be taken lightly and talked about flippantly. You need counsel, you need pastor or godly friend to walk alongside you, but you need to talk about it. And then I would say, we always talk about this negatively. We need to do it positively, right? So in your marriage, you need to pursue your spouse. You need to be creative. You need to go on dates. You need to wear cologne. Like, that's a good idea. Take a shower before you go to bed at night so that you don't have sexual sin, right? So that you're enjoying and edifying one another in the way God intended so that it's not always a conversation about your sin and your shame so that you get to talk about how fun it is, how awesome it is, how beautiful it is. You can't experience that unless you pursue that with your spouse. And so, man, get creative. Do it today. Blame it on me. Um, just, just take her out on a date, impromptu. Wear, spray it on your neck, like wear the cologne. It's okay. Um, take a shower before you go to bed proactively so that this isn't the only conversation we ever have about sex, is our shame and our sin. Um, next question, how do I pursue my own ambitions in life without getting in the way of my spouse's ambitions? Mary, why don't you answer this question? Um, this, is, it, this is a huge issue in I, not just marriage, but probably every relationship. And it's, and it's um, really what's the definition of ambition, <clears throat> and particularly in relationship and most, most often marriage. It's my ambition living independently of my spouse. And, and so... Um, it really started in at the fall of man. And if you look at Genesis 3-6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, um, and, um, wait a minute, sorry, and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired, to desire to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Um, when I when I went back to the scripture, it was so enlightening to me to to um, to just see the ambition that Eve had, and I think is passed down in every woman's life. So I can only address this from a woman's perspective, but knowing Marty. Also, I know that men struggle with this ambition. And, um, and we have this ambition, particularly women, to live independently of our, of our spouse, of our husbands. And we have this ambition to make decision and um, to uh, just be independent of him and not to have to depend on, 
on our husbands, and we want to um, we want to take control as Eve took control. And and the thing that's so enlightening about just this one verse is that that Adam was standing right next to her and let her take control, let her have ambition to live independently when God said that they were one and they were going to be one flesh. And so Eve just took over and Adam let her. And so he didn't take the spiritual authority in the home. And so this just this one question opens up a whole can of worms in marriage that is so key and fundamental in our um, becoming one as God designed us to be one. And so I think um, just even going back to um, realizing that my ambition, it could be a career ambition, it can be um, just ambition to make a financial decision independent of my husband. Anything that will separate us and that the enemy is going to come in and take take and separate us and cause um, disruption in our marriage is going to be ind- independent ambition. And so we found in... in um, in our marriage, um, I mean, I'm I'm so much at fault at this because I I don't want to ask for help. I want to do it myself. I I want to make decisions, and it's humbling. It affects my pride. It it affects my I want to take control. I don't I don't want him to make those decisions. You know, it just affects so much of the core of who I am. So we found that. Um, it goes back to praying together, but we really have found that um, when we start um, any decision that we're making, that we we need to we talk about it, and then we also have learned to pray about it together. And it just gives a trans gives each of us a transparency to be able to um, talk through um, just even the the core and the heart issue of why I want to make these de- decisions independent of, of him or vice versa. And so so as we prayed through things, I've had to learn to, um, it's not just um, my submitting to Marty, but it's it's really a mutual submission to one another. And But I've had to learn that as we're praying through it and the Holy Spirit may be saying, no, I can't. I can't do what I'm I'm wanting to do, and then, and then he really is the final word because he is the spiritual authority and the and the authority in the home, and so my learning to submit to that, and then um, learning that we we really do live dependent upon each other, but really dependent upon the Lord as the head of our household, and so God created us one in that, and so. Um, that as we pray together, we really um, get closer to God, and so it really it hits a lot of core issues in our in our marriage and in our in our lives, um, you know, as male and female, and we're we're created so differently that um, together, you know, I'm I'm definitely more emotional, and and he can look at things in a in a way that I just can't see because I'm looking at it through these emotional. Um, lenses and so um, just learning to communicate with each other and talk through things and and it can be just just little things that happen during the day that you know I make 
a financial decision that really we should have talked about and and it gets back to okay that's my ambition to do something that's living independently of him so so i think um really it's it's praying together and then really communicating and talking through um things with each other that's good thanks mary last question uh even though i know i should pray and read scripture with my spouse it still feels awkward and hard to schedule in our lives consistently how can i grow in this area cam why don't you take this one Well, I think I think the the first part of my answer would be um, my my general attitude is when things are hard, do them more often because uh, practice is what'll make them easier. So um, I, I don't know that there's an answer about something you can do that isn't just doing it more or trying different uh, approaches to making it happen that will make the awkwardness go away. Um, I think that comes as a result of actually doing it. Um, in terms of you know practical suggestions, uh, I, I guess I would say whatever it takes. Um, so there, there's there's and uh, full disclosure, I'm preaching to myself. This is not my area of strength. Tim gave me this question, but uh, that that doesn't mean I'm the expert. Um, but but there's a lot of ways to do this, and I don't I don't think uh, I don't I don't think there's only one one right way. So I think you got a lot of flexibility. But um, you know. Find find something uh, a study you know some some way to bootstrap it you know a, a Bible study a devotional something like that that you guys can both approach to to sort of you know help break that tension or um, it is accessible uh, add prayer to you know praying with each other to something you do uh, regularly al already um, so do you take a daily walk together do you um, do you do you have a meal together that uh, breakfast or something like that that you could pray for. Um, this this might be unconventional, but pray before sex. Um, if sex is a part of your relationship, uh, pray before that. Um, it could potentially be helpful for that part of your life, but also, um, you know, if you put it before, you know, a lot of times it's something you're motivated to do. Um, so so making it a part of that might might help make it happen more often. Um, <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I mean, if you, I think if you combine my advice here and Marty's advice to, to try it for seven days. Uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Um, I, you know, I, I think the other thing is, as a guy, um, you know, sometimes there could be, maybe there's some stigma here, you know, there's different positions on this, but I would say don't be hesitant to use practical tools, um, you know, the times I've been best at this, it's actually because I put a reminder in my phone. It's not because I don't love my wife enough to remember to pray. It's I don't I, I don't remember to put you know I, I don't remember to take medicine if I have a prescription. I I'm just not good at that, so I don't remember to do a lot of things that it seems like I should remember to do. So don't don't hesitate to use practical tools. You know, put a note on your mirror, put put something in your phone that reminds you to do it. Um, the other thing I'd say is, and this is just pretty standard uh, stuff. Find a, a friend or a mentor or somebody in your community group. Tell them you're going to do it. Uh, we, we actually tend to be motivated to do things that we've told other people we're going to do. Um, so announce to people that you're working on that. Give them an opportunity to ask, how's that, how's that going? Um, those sorts of things. So I, I think in terms of you know, how, do I, how do I do that, um, I would say add, add to your own prayer life. Um, you know, Praying for your own discomfort in that. Um, 
I, I don't know who asked this question and I don't you know, totally know wh where that awkwardness comes from. I've seen awkwardness in this situation come before from uh, times when the, both people love Jesus, but there's, let's say, uh, they're not in the same place in their spiritual growth. Um, you know, in all honesty, particularly for guys, right? And she's been in women's Bible study every week for, you know, years. Um, you know, she was the dutiful Sunday school student. And, you know, guy came to know the Lord later in life and isn't, you know, the hyper-theology nerd who's going to catch up and, and do all of that work. Sometimes that feels awkward, particularly when he's called to be the spiritual leader, et cetera. Um, I would say pray for that. If, that's, if it's that kind of a thing, pray for that in your own life, right? Pray, pray you know, repent of the pride that I think is, is in there. Um, and, and trust that God is also going to honor that um, and that, I, that, that your spouse, whichever direction that goes, is, uh, is going to appreciate that. That's good. Thanks, Kim. Well, um, we're almost out of time, so I don't think we have questions uh, to just do spontaneously, but hopefully that helped. Hopefully those are some of the questions. Even if you didn't ask those, hopefully that helped. Um, we're not going to solve marriage in one day. Uh, I know you maybe thought that was going to happen. Sorry to let you down. Um, we can't figure this out in three and a half hours, uh, so hopefully this just starts the conversation for our church. It's a good start. Uh, we counted, I think, 75 to 80 people that are here today um, to learn about what marriage looks like on a Saturday morning. That's amazing. Uh, that's a beautiful thing for a young church to see you guys that are single and college students who um, didn't sleep in and came to hear about marriage. Um, you guys that are married and have kids and could have easily just stayed at home and played with your kids and, and avoided some of these awkward conversations. You came. And so I mean, that's huge. That's, that's a Holy Spirit miracle that we should celebrate today. Um, that we have 75 to 80 people who want to learn and grow in love, conflict, and sex. We can't figure it out in one day, but we can start the conversation. And so I would ask you to continue that. I'm serious, that you would take your spouse on a date. If you can't do it today, you would plan it. That you would, as singles, that you would get another couple who can mentor you. Uh, you would talk to them today. Um, that you would get in a community group, if you're not one, and walk alongside others and continue this conversation. That you would go to one of our men's studies or women's studies. Scott McGee, he's right there, black hat. Raise your hand, Scott. He leads our men's study. He's one of the guys who leads it. Um, some of the things that you need to talk about just need to be talked about with other guys. That's a great opportunity to do that on Saturday mornings. Uh, next Saturday, right, is the last one. Uh, so come to that next Saturday. Even if you haven't been coming, talk to Scott afterwards. Betsy is our women's ministry coordinator. We're going to start a women's study in January. If you've heard about that but haven't signed up, talk to her today about that women's study. Get around some other women that can support you in this. And then, um, you know, I talked about sex. Marty talked about conflict. Even Mark was talking about the foundation and love. Uh, we can't hit everything we need to hit, uh, especially in sex. We can't. There's just so much to that subject. And so you should have gotten two handouts when you walked in the room. If you didn't, they're right at that desk just as you walk out. Grab one or grab both on your way out. One is the Bible on sex. And so it has scripture references that you have to look up. Um, it doesn't have the actual scripture in there. But it has the reference and it also has commentary below that on pretty much any verse that talks about sex and marriage. And so grab that on your way out. Read about it. Read scripture and see what it has to say. Read that packet and see what the commentary has to say 
about sex. Study it on your own. Go through that with your spouse. If you think it's awkward to read and study scripture with your spouse, we just made it less awkward. Just grab the handout and do it on your way home or do it tonight before you go to bed. There's also a handout if you have kids. Um, Like I said, we can't cover all this in one day. It's hard to talk to your kids about sex, right? You guys have teenagers. We have little kids. We're just starting to have that conversation. So we have a handout of what that looks like to talk to your kids about sex. And so you can grab that handout. If you think you want to have kids, if you're married and you don't, uh, go ahead and grab that so you can begin to prepare now for that conversation.